0: Hello, everybody. It is uh, 13 on uh, Wednesday, the 8th of February, 2017. My name is Luke Thomas, and this is the Promotional Malpractice Live Chat here on MMAfighting.com. Sorry for the arrangement. I'm in my friend's apartment in New York City. I just got done... There, that's a little better, right? Camera's a little shaky, but I'll fix that. I just got done with UFC 208 Media Day uh, in Brooklyn. My friend lives... Uh, downtown so that's where we are Uh, let me make sure all the settings are good here Uh, let's see i think everything is good right everything should be okay yes no it's fine it should be fine uh okay today on the podcast we'll talk about ufc 208 we'll talk about whatever you want to get to there's a lot of news and notes going around i think the most interesting thing going on right now is the middleweight title picture you know i spoke to jacques ray and anderson about that as the rest of the media did as well so that's definitely a topic of interest uh anything you want to talk about you put it in the comments on mmafighting.com where this post is embedded and i will get to it in the time permitting uh, i have jacked up my back royally again so as soon as this is over i have to go get pain medications if i seem a little bit short shorter than normal that is why two weeks ago i was doing bench and uh i didn't have enough lumbar flexion i had too much so i didn't have enough thoracic bend i had too much lumbar flexion and as a consequence i hurt my back and then yesterday i re-aggravated it packing to come here so i'm in an extraordinary amount of discomfort yay okay but you don't care about that nor should you let us get to the questions i'm tempted to start with sort of an overview of what happened at media day but I guess I'll get to these questions and see what you have. First question, Luke, bow to your new Lord and Savior. And it's Tom Brady. As Jesus carrying a lamb. That's fun. Someone says, a goat holding a goat. Well, it's not a goat. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. I'll make a quick point about the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously it was a tremendous win by the Patriots. they're you know I hate their guts, but they're a tremendous organization. but let's just be clear about something, right? Uh, still hate them. still think they're a bunch of cheaters. And on top of that, I don't I don't ever want someone to question why I cheer for Real Madrid. If you want to know the truth of the matter, uh, I've been to Madrid twice. It's like outside of it might be my favorite city in the world. Um, fell in love with it truly. Um, I stayed near Plaza Mayor both times, and uh, it's a magical, magical place. Madrid is a—it's just one of the most amazing cities. And uh, as part of sort of the regal history of it, um, discovering Real Madrid, I just—I just fell in love with the team, and I—I I love everything about them. And here's the truth about it: like I, I get—I get a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't watch La Liga. And, and here's the thing: all the teams. I cheer for, for legitimate reasons, so geographic proximity, for example, the Wizards, the Skins, the Capitals, they all lose, always. I've never had a team win that I support. Never won a Super Bowl, never won an NBA title, didn't win Stanley Cup, nothing. So like, if it wasn't for Real Madrid, I'd probably quit sports altogether. They're the only thing saving me from total insanity. So if you wanna know why like I root for them, that's why. Because they don't let me down. They realize the best way to do this is just to rig the system. And I am glad they do. All right. Holly Holmes, true, false. Holly Holmes grappling will be a key factor in beating Jermaine durand on Saturday. One of, uh, one of the key factors. You wrote, you wrote, will be a key factor, not the key factor. Interestingly, I spoke to Duran to me today, and she kept emphasizing over and over again. And I know a lot of fighters do this. She was like, it's not striker versus striker. It's MMA fighter versus MMA fighter. And um, certainly her background is striking. And it may mean nothing in the end, but she just kept repeating it over and over again. There might be something to that. I don't know. Uh, two, it would be wise in Alexa Grasso to move to a better camp in order to be successful in her division. No, false. I'm not saying a camp move wouldn't necessarily be better, but I don't think necessarily that's what's holding her back either. Uh, Jessica Andraj is essentially the female version of John Lineker in more ways than one, man. She is a tank, true. Damian I and Maya is being a bit naive and thinking that Dana White will keep his promise of giving him the next title shot. I don't think he's being naive, and he's not a stupid person. Uh, I don't don't think he's even a gullible person. He's just trying to leverage the world on the terms he feels most comfortable. My back. Since Lorenz Larkin was unable to come to a deal with Bellator, he'll end up fighting in the UFC again. That'd be true. It will weaken the status of the UFC's light heavyweight division if Ryan Bader signs with Bellator. Perhaps to an extent, but not fatally so. It's very puzzling that Bellator matched up Josh Thompson and Petriki instead of Thompson and Chandler. Uh, No, I don't think so. I think they're trying to get Thompson a big win and then off this big win, give him Chandler. Uh, Even though McGregor has no pro boxing experience, he could still probably knock out an old decrepit Paulie Malignaggi. Doubt it. Anything's possible, but doubtful. Uh, Luke Thomas drank a few handles of Jim Beam to ease the sting of the Super Bowl. Uh, substitute Jim Beam for Tangare, and the answer is yes. What are your expectations for Janjacek-Andraja's fight, and who do you favor going in at the moment? So I went back and I watched that Hill fight again. It's a great fight. Um, One of the things that occurred to me was that Andrade obviously can be tagged. In fact, she's perfectly willing to be tagged. It's not like she's trying to get out of the way and just can't. I mean, sometimes she puts a hand up, but she basically doesn't really care. And she was timing that on Hill because if Hill can make contact with her face, that means Andrade can then jam her and then occupy the space and then push her backwards. Like this was, it seemed to me, a part of the strategy at times not every time but part of the time and so she's perfectly hittable and Jacek you know can put a lot of different things together so to me the issue is um, how much damage can Jacek do through accuracy and volume and then for Andrade what I would be expecting is what kind of damage can she do to make Jacek hesitant Um, because we know she has big takedowns Andrade but she has very little control so, I don't really think so. it like, Gedalia is good because she has good takedowns and good control. That's not what Andrade has. She has like these powerful slams, but so so uh, control. Um, to me, the question is what kind of damage she can do. Like, Hill wears damage really well. And Jacek does too, I think, but probably not to the same extent. So, so that's what I'm looking to. Uh, and that gives me, leads me to believe that Jacek probably has the edge. I just think she can. She can make contact and get out of the way so often. She's good at clinch breaking. But it's going to be interesting to see someone who's physically way stronger than her, who maybe doesn't lose cardio, who can make who can land big, powerful punches. You know, We'll see. Uh, okay, look, random question. The Wire. Masterpiece, greatest TV show ever. Yes or no or somewhere in between. Masterpiece, yes. Greatest TV show ever. I don't know. Uh, what did you make of Anderson Silva in 2017? Do you think the odds makers have it right as him as the underdog? And are you excited to see him back? Yeah. So actually, he was the last interview I did today. He is a weird one. He is a weird one, to put it mildly. Did y'all see what he was wearing? He had some kind of Brooklyn hipster androgynous shawl on or something. I don't know. Um, he seemed to be in a very jovial mood. Um, very relaxed. Um we were wondering sort of a number of different things about like, what was his opinion on Roy Jones and the fight he never got. And he answered that. And, but I was like, um, you know, who's the number one contender at, at middleweight right now. I asked him that. And he was like, um, it's probably Joel Romero. And I was like, right. So doesn't he deserve the shot? And he was, his answer was basically, he's like, okay, for martial arts. Yes. For business. No, for business. If I win, it's me. Uh, which is probably true, and somewhat somewhat alarming that uh, that fight might end up getting made. You know, Anderson Silva's been on a terrible losing streak, and the Cormier fight you can't hold too much against him. The DS fight was overturned, but he's not been his competitive self. And I spoke to Derek Brunson about it too, and I was like, dude, like, you know, Derek Brunson is not a dumb guy; he's a very smart guy. Like, what went wrong in that fight against Robert Whitaker? His answer was he had I think he had won five fights or at least four fights heading into that one, and his answer was, I just wanted to get an emphatic knockout. I thought, you know, maybe I could change the title shot equation by doing that. And he said this time he intends to be much more measured. So I don't know, I don't know, I mean, I suspect that this will be wrestling will be used much more in this one. Anderson Silva has good takedown defense, but not impenetrable. Um, It's weird, it's weird. He said, you know, he's happy, happier now maybe than he's ever been. I'm telling you, like, his mood was to describe it as light would be an understatement. Uh, not, a, not, a, not a bit of edge to him. And he's usually, you know, on the lighter side anyway. But he was, like, unusually light. You know, he's doing his whole scrum, by the way, in English. He would only use his translator if he really couldn't get something, and that was fairly infrequent. Uh, so I don't know how – I'm sure he's taking it seriously. I, you know, I'm not sure how long he trained for this from what I'm hearing. You know, a solid month maybe, but I'm not sure how much more than that. Um, I think he's just trying to, I don't know what to make of him, man. I really don't. It's a, he's in a weird stage right now. So it's as hard to know what to make of Silva in 2017. Last time we saw him getting, was getting smothered by DC back at 200. I think the spider still has lethal skills, but he's not the same guy. He's chinny and slower, which is fine. Obviously so excited to see the goat back in action. Yeah. There's definitely, there was like a ton of Brazilian media there. And there's definitely a ton of buzz for him, especially you know, maybe more so than the main event to be perfectly honest he had a huge crowd around him for almost the full time we had to talk to fighters so you know take that for what it's worth people were definitely interested in him in a way that they weren't for many of the other fighters it's just it's he's so hard to read you can't tell if being jovial he's disguising something i mean certainly he's not doing like we did to vitor belfort where he's putting the mask on and calling him playboy it's not he's not doing that um Man, it's crazy. He he is a weird cat. Oh, but he did say he thought Conor McGregor was the best striker in the UFC, and that's why he wanted to fight him, was from a martial arts perspective to test himself, um, take for what it's worth. I also asked him if you could fight Bisping, assuming he wins Saturday. If you could fight Bisping or you could fight George St. Pierre, who would you pick? And I think he still basically said he would love to have the St. Pierre fight, but he would probably take Bisping. I think trying to get that title back matters to him. So... Um, take it for what it's worth. He seems intent on maybe getting another, another title shot. He certainly seems to believe in his competitive abilities. His competitive spirit is high. Um, but he is weird. All right. Tune up fights. Luke Thomas, you love tune-up fights. Tune-up fights for everyone. You've been out a year. Just have a tune up fight. I have heard your explanation of how it builds confidence. I understand your point of view. The example you gave a few weeks ago about John Jones is a little ridiculous. All right. You said he could fight someone like Jan Blokowitz, whatever his name is, or John Volante. I'm just having trouble processing how insane a John Jones versus John Volante is as a matchup. John was pound for pound number one when he left and had eight title defenses. Can you imagine if back when he was the reigning champion, reigning spelled wrong? They made a fight, John Jones versus John Vellante. In my mind, if you make that fight now, it's like as if you are giving John Vellante a title shot because it's the same John Jones as before. He hasn't lost, just did not fight for a while. Well, that is a totally unfair assumption, but he continues. Another person gave Gustafsson as an example for a tuna fight. You said it was terrible, but it's not that bad. Maybe a little too hard of a fight, but it's someone who is outside of the title picture because he lost to all the other top guys. Him or Tashera, made sense to share a maybe Gustafson is in no way shape or form a tune-up fight Gustafson put John Jones through the ringer and is an elite level fighter in that division that is there is nothing about that as a tune-up fight now is John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson to a good fight I'd love to see it is it an important fight who could argue otherwise is it a fight that frankly needs to happen at some point I think you can make that case as well that's There's nothing wrong with John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson, too. Nothing wrong with it. The question is, is Alexander Gustafson the kind of guy you would look at and say, "Mm, we're going to get our elite guy to fight him so he can get tuned up? I don't think so. That is not. Gustafson is an elite fighter who has been reasonably competitive in terms of the frequency of his activity. That seems to me like a disastrous thought to consider him a tune-up fight uh, un- under no rational basis of what we would consider to be a tune-up fight would this guy qualify. Well, who would you want for a tune-up fight? What you would want is someone who is basically overmatched. Uh, certainly anything can happen in a tune-up fight, and MMA is kind of chaotic in that way, but you want to give the guy who essentially is the better version, the A-side, who has the long-term potential, you want to give him the ability or her to, in the Event that there's been a significant absence from activity for whatever reason injury or suspension or whatever the case may be the ability to go through the process again get ring time and then put them in with the more senior or elite of the division because that time off depending on who that fighter is again ring rust doesn't affect every fighter in every case but it's real enough and pervasive enough to take seriously as a potential risk and then seeing what john jones did against osp or rather Seeing what he didn't do, I think there's a cause to be able to say, give him someone who is a uh, uh, not a pushover, but is a very manageable test, and so someone like John Volante, um, who I like very much, but is certainly in that out, you know, close to the top 15, um, or Oblokowicz or something like, or Oblojovic you know, or however they pronounce his last name, um, I think those are are really good choices for him. Everyone likes to disagree with the logic of having a a tune-up fight for any number of reasons. Oh, how could Ronda have a tune-up fight, you know? She she needed to get back there. She gets to get paid. You can't afford to pay her on a card where she's fighting a nobody and all these other things. And then you put her in there with the best of the division, literally the champion, and she gets absolutely starched like a pressed shirt, Uh, like Mr. Belvedere. And now you may lose her altogether. So keep telling me that tune-up fights don't make sense. We can argue about when and where they might be valuable. We can argue about their, you know, if they're used too much. But I don't think we're even approximating that point. I think we're at a point now where the tune-ups happen so infrequently that it's not really uh, any kind of curse or you know, infestation. Uh, to me, the bigger risk is that we're not using them enough against people who have long-term upside and I'm telling you, everyone's like, no, Chris Weidman need to get back in there. The Musassi fight makes more sense. It's the fight I want to see. Look, do I want to see Weidman versus Musassi? Who doesn't? What real fan of fighting doesn't want to see that fight? But that's not the point. And if Weidman goes in there and wins, okay, no problem. He didn't necessarily need it. I don't know that he needs that tune-up fight. But if I was his management, that's what I would advise. Because three losses in a row would be devastating for his career. Absolutely unequivocally devastating. Um, and it's potentially avoidable with just a different view about how to proceed in your career. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer, these are the pay per view numbers of 2016 besides the top five. So McGregor Rousey and 200. Um, how well is UFC 208 going to do? So you have 203 Miocic over in 450,000 that, of course, also had CM Punk. 197 had Jones St. Pruitt, 322,000. UFC 199, Rockhold versus Bisping, 2, 320,000. Lawler versus Condit, 300,000. Bisping versus Henderson, 290. Lawler versus Woodley, 240. Now, of course, that was sandwiched between 200 and 202, but in any event, Verdun versus Miocic, 217. And then Holloway versus Pettis, 206, 150K. Um, I think this probably does closer to three, maybe even four. Holly Holm is a popular attraction. She is going to be doing some big time media this week. Dana White was not at today's media day. He was actually in uh, at ESPN doing the car wash. I think that's going to help as well. Um, so I don't think this is going to be a big ticket success, but you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of three three fifty to maybe at the very high end four fifty. I think that, that feels a little high, but Somewhere in there, somewhere in that space, I suppose. Anderson Silva being on the card kind of helps as well. Um, you know, Holm is hurt by the fact that she's fighting someone that most people don't know. Silva is hurt by the fact that he's fighting some people are uh, fighting someone that most people don't know. So, um, there's reasons for optimism, and I think reasons for healthy skepticism, and which leads me to believe that it'll do average to above average. And if we sort of consider that that 250 to 350 range is somewhere um, where a lot of these pay per views end up. Um, Somewhere in there, maybe a little bit higher. Someone thinks Lawler territory sub 300, maybe. I, I think it'll go higher than three, but there's really no guarantees. Like I can tell you this feels a lot different than uh, 205 to put it mildly. When I got out of the train at uh, MSG at 205, the first thing I saw across the street was this giant 205 ad. And there were like ads all over town and you could see the bars already had signs in the window. Like it'll be a $20 cover for 205 on Saturday. You don't really see any of that here. I saw tons of paid media um, in terms of like billboard, not billboards exactly, but like subway medias even, even um, bus backs and stuff. Um, and you don't see any of that. Someone says they think around 330 to 380 buys. I think that sounds a little bit more, a little bit more correct. Uh, Fight of the Night bonus. Is the Fight of the Night bonus essentially compensation for the extra brain damage the fighters just endured? I know not all of the fights that win this bonus are slugfests, but the majority are. With that being said, isn't this bonus an extra incentive to all the fighters to have an all-out slugfest and risk their health further? Should we judge Fight of the Nights differently? What's your take on this? Um, You know, there's a couple ways to look at it. I think some people would look at it and they would say, you know um it does the opposite right if i know and the fire the night bonus is different but like any kind of incremental system so you get the show money then the win money you know if you know you need that win money you might fight in a conservative way to get the to get the other kind of bonus money perhaps it's the opposite you you would sort of wildly open up but um to answer your question should we judge fire of the Nights differently um, I'm not sure how to answer that one. That's actually a very complicated question, surprisingly. You're asking me, should we judge them? I would judge them differently, but what does that mean? You would judge them differently. X, Y, Z would judge them differently, but is there some kind of coherent basis by which we can establish criteria and then match it to that criteria? And would that be more helpful rather than sort of just like thumb to the or finger to the wind? Like, what, what do most people like here? what got the crowd riled up. Um, certainly I do think it leads to, if not not just outrageous striking, but guys taking risks positionally and grappling, which more often than not I think leads to less grappling because a lot of it needs to be shut down control. <clears throat> you don't get a lot of that. Um, I generally just believe though that, that the bonus system... Uh, I know it's popular. I know a lot of people like it. I'm generally just not in favor of it. I think you should just pay guys more. Um, you know, if they wanted to, out of the goodness of their heart, find some money in a discretionary way to give them bonuses, uh, one you know, every once in a while, I suppose. I don't I don't hate that so much, but I'm basically of the belief that like, you know, the incessant desire in MMA to dangle carrots in front of them to produce this these outcomes, which I'm not even sure they really do. I mean, there's some evidence to suggest it, but also not. Um, I, I would just rather them get paid and then be able to fight like professionals. Um, so to ask your answer your question, should we judge five of the Night differently? Yeah, we should. You know, I know I realize that the fight I realize that the bonus system is more popular among fans than and than um, I'm letting on here. I, I gather that, but I generally just don't think we need it. Uh Someone was asking, was the Super Bowl like Jones Gustafson? No. It was more like... Um, uh, will be a good version. It's like a rope dope almost. It's like Ollie Foreman, you know? Uh, Francisco Trinaldo, Massa Trinaldo is on a seven-fight win streak and is now set to fight Kevin Lee. This seems like a very risky fight for not a lot of reward. How come Trinaldo isn't getting bigger fights with fighters in the top 15? Is his management the problem? Or does the UFC just not want to give him anything? He's older. Uh, I don't know, if, you know. There's obviously the open question about how marketable he is. There's even a question about how far he can really go with this. Um, it's more of a question about you know what can they do to set up Kevin Lee, uh, you know, uh, Trinaldo like closer to forty than I think. Um, how old is old Trinaldo? He's he's a little ancient for that weight class. He is thirty eight. Will be thirty nine in August, so he's a little bit up there. I think that's more just about what they can do about Kevin Lee. They've been trying to push Kevin Lee for a while. Kevin Lee is young. He's athletic. He can do it all. He's got a big mouth. Um, I think he's a thoughtful guy. Um, and I think that's really what this is about. Uh, UFC 208 predictions. I don't know. Danny Segura is going to have him for you. I guess if I had just off the top of my head, I'd probably lean Poirier over Miller. Home over Duran to me. Duran to me. Folks don't realize this. Duran to me is a cop. Like she was saying, she's like, I've never been full time in MMA. I've always had a job, and she's a police officer. So it's like, you know, that's a tough way to. It's a tough way to make a living, uh, in and of itself, and then to be a prize fighter on top of that. It's tough, man. It's really, really hard. Um. So I'll probably say home there. After Brunson's last performance, how can you pick him? But Silva is just so hard to pin down these days, man. So I, that one I don't really know. Um, I think Jacare is going to have his way with Tim Boach. I spoke to Marcus Davis. You guys remember him, Marcus Davis, the Irish hand grenade? And when he went to that fight in Belfast, they called him the Celtic warrior. Um, I spoke to him. He's coaching Tim Boach and has for some time. And I was asking him, like, how long did y'all train for this? Like, So they got a month notice for this one which means they only had three weeks to train because the last week can only do so much. And he seems to think that he's ready. And I was like, how do you handle someone who's super athletic? He was, there, there, his answer was basically like, um, there are some tendencies he thinks he's found. He thinks that Jacare heavily favors the right side. But he made a point. He was like, look at what Ronda... This is his argument. He goes, look what Ronda Rousey did. Killing everybody with what she was really good at. What the, using the advantages she had over the rest of her contemporaries. Right? She was getting the... Uh, You know, wrapping up the head, getting the hips in, fitting in, and sending people on their way, and then taking their arms with them. With her, anyway. And then she went and knocked someone out. This is his words, not mine. And that, he goes, changed her. When she thought after the Betch-Coheo fight that she could knock people out, her priorities and her sense of self became distorted. And he goes, I'm not saying Jacare is quite like that, you know, to that same degree. But Marcus Davis believes that there are some commonalities between the two. Um, I guess we'll have to see, but it'll be interesting. Uh, but I, I still think Chaka has his way. You never know. Boch can uppercut you into living death, but all things being equal, that's, that's the direction I would go. And then I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I don't know how you guys feel about this fight. I'm not saying it's the most important fight. I'm not saying it's got the biggest names, but am I the only one who is really interested in Jared Cannonier versus... Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there. He was sitting next to Jacare today. Oh, God, my memory. It's so sad. It's so sad. I keep, the words Gilbert Ival keep coming up. Glover Teixeira. Jared Cannonier versus Glover Teixeira. I love this fight. I love this fight. I think I saw a lot of potential in Jared Cannonier in that Iron Kuzuleba fight. That was a big man using legitimate, real jujitsu off of his back, on the feet. He is fearless, he is able to land um, accurately, he has good power, I wouldn't say he has monstrous power but he's got good power, Um, cardio for days, good composure under fire, under aggression, he certainly does not have the veteran experience that Glover does, but Glover's coming off that terrible KO loss, and um, I, I love this fight. I love this fight. I, you know, we've talked about it before. You know, losing Bader would suck for light heavyweight, but here comes Jared Cannonier, and if they can get another deal with him done, here comes Misha Sukunov. Like there are some interesting dudes coming up the line at light heavyweight, and to me, maybe everyone's sleeping on Cannonier, and maybe Tashira goes in there and bombs on him and puts him out pretty quick. But Cannonier has all the ingredients to give Tashera a very, at a minimum, I feel, interesting fight, if not outright beat him. I like Jared Cannonier. I think very highly of him. Of course, I think very highly of Glover Tashera too. But I'm looking forward to that one. I want to see. This is this is to me a great test for Jared Cannonier. If he if he doesn't pass it this time, I don't think it's the end of the world. It'd be great to see Glover get back and maybe make some more noise in the division. But if Jared Cannonier wins. You know, you have a new prospect, a new contender maybe even in that division. That would be huge. That would be really, really huge. Uh, are you finally back on the Wizards' bandwagon? I'm not on or off the Wizards' bandwagon. I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. But early in the season, what do you want me to say, man? There was – Beal and Wall hated each other. Everyone was mad at the deal that Beal got. Otto Porter was – I mean, there's a vacant lot inside. You know Otto Porter's – if you could see Otto Porter's brain during the playoffs – There would just be this empty parking lot and a sign that says vacant lot. I mean, the guy was just not there when he needed to be. This season, he's shooting incredibly behind the arc, and Bradley Beal is on fire. And John Wall is – I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone says about Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is a good scorer. He's not the most complete uh, uh, guard in the East. Um, And um, I think John Wall is by far. If Holly Holm loses her third in a row, will she be the Buster Douglas she and her fans feared she would become? You know, it's really interesting. So today, during the... I spoke to her as well, and she did this, you know, in this sort of series of scrums. uh, She almost... I need to go back and watch the footage. But I even talked with Ariel about this afterwards. It looked like she was almost on the verge of tears. Not from the moment uh, here or the one on Saturday but she seems to have taken that second loss hard and hard in a way where yes it clearly bothered her like she was angrily responding not to the question but like to the feelings that had made her have um and first of all she looked in unbelievable shape so take that for what it's worth but you know, she's like, I've never dropped two in a row. I've definitely never dropped three in a row. This is not who I am. This is not who I need to be. Um, she seemed very fired up. It's hard to explain exactly unless you've seen her uh, emotionally affected, yes, but not emotionally overwhelmed. And there's a big distinction between the two. So, in fact, I, this is what Dustin Poirier said that, like, he goes, Every time I get emotional, I hate Michael Johnson, for example, the Conor McGregor fight. I lose my uh, my bearings, but when I am focused and directed, um, yeah, I can do a lot of things. And I asked him, like in the Joe Duffy fight, you were like talking smack to each other. What is that different? He was like, I didn't hate Joe Duffy. You know, I respected Joe Duffy. I I I wanted to beat him as a competitor, but I didn't hate him. And I think Holly appears to be in a similar place. Not that she ever hates her opponents, but. She doesn't have any animus towards Duran to me, but boy, does she look like she has a chip on her shoulder this time. Um, will that get her past the tipping point where she loses her bearing, or will that bring her right to the precipice where it makes her her most dangerous, her most driven, her most capable? I think we're going to have to see that on Saturday, of course. I'm betting it'll be something close to the latter versus the former. Um, but if she does lose three in a row, it would be absolutely detrimental in the way she is ultimately viewed, even if she goes on after that and and does many, many big things. Three in a row like that could be ruinous for her image and for her career. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll call her the Buster Douglas or not, but it will absolutely unequivocally permanently affect how we view her. Sure. Thoughts on Jimmy Manoa versus Corey Anderson being the main event of UFC London? Sucks. I will have to say it. I mean, it's a fine fight on its own terms, but as a main event, that is nowhere even close. That's not a real main event by UFC standards by any stretch of the imagination, so uh, not sure what to say, but I mean, I don't hate the fight in and of itself, it's just, you know, main event needs to have, it has local ties, okay, so it's got that, but it doesn't have like these extraordinary local ties, like is a local guy, but how much of a flag bearer is he relative to some of the bigger stars? Not that much, I don't think. Could be wrong, but we'll see but it doesn't have tremendous divisional stakes. Um, it has some, not a lot. It's a relatively interesting matchup in terms of how it could go, but it doesn't blow your socks off. Um, it's just got. It's just, It's just. fine. Like There's nothing wrong with it exactly, but there's nothing like particularly right about it either. Who do you see as the challenge? The first UFC women's featherweight champion, Jermaine Germ- Durandami will be Megan Anderson megan anderson or a bantamweight in the ufc who moves up i think it'll be the latter if that happens holly holm or otherwise i actually did ask holly holm this i go uh if you win the belt do you feel you have a responsibility to that weight class right um a lot of women talk about the responsibility to themselves they talk about a responsibility to uh, women's mma generally some of the champions have talked about have a responsibility to that weight class to build it to to build something and holly Holm said no <laughs> no nope. uh doesn't feel like she has like a not, not that she wouldn't defend the title exactly but like do i have to get up and you know make this my life like in do i have to build this do i have to be this flag bearer for this cause nope she said no i mean you're going you're about to fight for the title the division you don't feel like you have to like, have a responsibility to in terms of building uh, the thing that says a lot, doesn't it? Um, why is 155 the deepest and toughest? There you go. You answered it yourself. Ooh. Next for Korean zombie, Herrig and Vic. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing zombie versus llamas. Herrig. Herrig versus Hell sounds fun. I know one's coming off a win and one's coming off a loss, but I kind of like that. Um, And Vic. Vic had a nice win over Abel Trujillo. Um, Maybe the winner of this Poirier fight? Let's see. Let me see. Maybe Evan Dunham, maybe the winner of the Tronaldo fight against, uh, what's his face? That's a way you could go too. There's a couple ways you could go. That'd be a sick fight. All right? Let's see. Someone says, uh, Herrick versus Karate Hottie. I think she's going to get a title shot. I had to miss. It's happening right now. I had to miss. She has a private workout happening. Uh, down at, I think, Gleason's, if I'm not mistaken. I had to miss it to come here and do this. So it looks like to me they're grooming her for something big. And then he says uh, Korean Zombie versus Little Heathen or Yair Rodriguez. Sure. I mean, can we just talk for a second about how sweet Featherweight is? How great is Featherweight right now? Right? And this is what I meant before. Like, it's hard to understand in some ways the accomplishments of conor mcgregor because in part they're very unique and in part they don't match the common i don't know topography or they don't they don't follow the same contours of the typical high achievers that we use as measuring sticks in mixed martial arts for example Look at Featherweight now, and everyone was like, man, he cleaned out Featherweight. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, did he go through a, a murderer's row of guys to get the title? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Like, there's no question about Conor McGregor's ability. There's no question about um, uh, what he did to get that title. But that's not the same thing as cleaning out a division. It's just not. Look at who you have now that you might favor McGregor them in all those fights. That's fine, too. But you've got Korean Zombie is back. Little Heathen had a, you know, a bit of a shortcoming against Frankie Yeager but he's still in there he mentions um Yaya Rodriguez and he's up there now look at the look at the top 10 for this this is featherweight Jose Aldo Max Holloway Frankie Edgar Ricardo Lamas Cub Swanson Jeremy Stevens Anthony Pettis but he went back up Charles Oliveira here Rodriguez Dennis Bermudez Brian Ortega Duho Choi you got Elkins in there Mirsad Bechtich, uh and, and it goes on from there that seems pretty awesome to me pretty awesome to me now maybe in the end you guys feel like he won all those fights, and you might be right. I'm not saying you're not, but number one, you can't really count that until it's done. That, that that's what it means to clean out a division. And two, there was a lot of these sentiments about burying featherweight. All oh, it's a it's a barren wasteland. Look at how it has replenished itself. Look how quickly that happened. When you have these divisions, right? Why is bantamweight so great, and then featherweight so? Excuse me, uh, lightweight so great, and then featherweight wouldn't be. Partly it could be that those might draw in particular ways that maybe Featherweight doesn't from the available talent pools out there. But it just seems to me if you have a lighter weight division, so let's say 170 and down, you're going to get a lot of athletes that can't go play other pro sports because of size issues. And you're going to get youthful divisions. That's to me when I look at Featherweight now, what stands out to you? Yes, you got some old old dogs in there like Cub Swanson. Holloway is young. You got uh, Edgar's a little bit older. Lamas is not that old. Only he might be a little older. Um, but look, you got uh, Oliveira is still young. A Rodríguez is young. Bermudez he's a little bit longer in the tooth. Ortega young. Choi young. Beckett's young. There's a lot of youth in those divisions that's really mixed in in an exciting, interesting way. And so whenever you have that, being like all oh, the divisions cleaned out, mm, this thing is going to replenish itself pretty quickly. Like you got to beat as Saint Pierre did several generations of this before we can effectively say you've done the work of retiring an entire weight class, essentially. So, um, you know, going up and winning the 155 pound title is an incredible thing. Like, I was there, I can tell you, you were there, you saw it, it was amazing, it was amazing. I'm just sort of pointing out, there was a lot of people burying featherweight and in these lighter weight classes that are built on youth. I think that's a very bad idea. Simple question. Holm versus Duran me. Who you got, Luke? I'm going to take Holm, I think. I think um, she's got more ways to win. Um, I think the fact that Duran me, you know, is no longer with AKA. She said she wanted to move back home, which, you know, certainly her right. Um, never been full-time. She's been, you know, very infrequently competing. Uh, Holm's been out there, whatever you want to say. She lost to Tate and she lost to Shevchenko, but, you know, her last two fights were Rousey, Tate, and Shevchenko. Those are... Tough fights, man. Those are tough fights. And she got through them and has been very, very, you know, uh, consistent. Duran, to me, I think, has a lot of unique talents. I guess we'll see. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be stick and move versus someone trying to, like, corner and clinch. And uh, whoever can, you know, play their game plan is going to win. But to me, that's probably going to be home. Probably. Okay. Silva versus Brunson. Hey, Luke, do you think Brunson's aggressive, fast paced style? Will catch or potentially put away the much older and slower Silva with a veteran craftiness. I think if I think if Brunson cleverly and effectively uses his speed rather than recklessly applies it in the most maximal way, he'll be great. Like I said before, he thought he had big power. He thought he was going to make a statement at middleweight, so he chased down Windows or the Monday Morning along the fence line. He was chasing down Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is just too good for that and cracked him and closed the show. And he seems to have realized uh, you can't do that. In fact, I asked him, Did you go back and watch the fight? He said he tried it, turned it off because he was so disgusted with himself. Like he basically understands what time it is and like why that went so poorly for him. Um, so if he can dial that back a little bit and apply his talents in a real meaningfully meaningful way, constructive precise way right work around you know faint fake shoot in on a double get a nice takedown make it clean make it quick make it explosive get you know put a put Silva on the ground with authority soften him up with ground and pound get him tired get him slow get him predictable get him taking risks that he wouldn't ordinarily take stay at safe space and then do the same thing over again or or incorporate some other kind of uh, attack right he's using his speed He's using his aggression, he's using his talents, but in a focused, directed kind of way. What I wouldn't want him to do is sort of stick behind the jab, I think that would be a bad idea. I wouldn't want him to, you know, not do things that require some explosive speed, like a quick double, Um, but I think that he obviously has to dial it back a little bit, I think he will. To what end, I don't know. Now, there's also Silva's craftiness. Um You know, The longer Brunson lets him stay in this fight, that could be problematic. Um, I think Brunson needs to get in his face and get on top of him and stay on top of him for as much of that round as possible. Dancing on the outside with him is going to be a bad idea. Rushing in is going to be a bad idea. But calmly finding a space to shoot in and give him some frequent flyer miles, I think that might be very, very uh, effective for him. But I guess we'll see in the end because Silva's – when we talk about Silva's craftiness, like what do we mean? What does that mean exactly? Like, I, I agree he has it, but I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some people sort of see it as the ability to explode out of nowhere and catch someone with something, you know, flying knee or the front kick to the face, right? I see things that you don't. I got a few tricks you've never been able to handle. could be one of those kinds of things. Um, you know, presence of mind to wait for an opening for a guy who takes risks. That could be another one as well. So, you know, it's a lot of guys who take risks, and but it's one guy who's a little bit slower now. Um... It's 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 a weird fight. Brunson versus Silva is a weird fight. Who do you think will go for the takedown first between me and Holm? me, But maybe Holm, who knows? McGregor's success. If for some reason McGregor was to go to Bellator tomorrow, all right, and start fighting there, would he be as successful from a fame financial perspective? Or does he need the UFC to maximize his success due to the broad caliber of opponents? Is McGregor more reliant on the UFC for success than he might let on? Um, certainly, I think you could experience a tremendous amount of success without the UFC. I don't think that much is in, in doubt. But there's also just sort of no doubting what the UFC can do. I mean, look at who they are. It's a $4 billion organization. It's a $4 billion organization that can advertise, that can promote, that can make themselves visible That can recruit talent that can set up matches that can uh access the pay-per-view space in ways other people can't i think mcgregor is right to look at the ufc as a business partner because you don't really want to walk away from them not to say you can't have success without them but geez if they're on your side and you feel like you're you're in an equitable arrangement why wouldn't you want them in your back pocket they can do so much Look at how successful they've been historically. Look at their 2016, and not every year is going to be like that. 2017 certainly isn't, but you get the idea. They they're just a very capable, nimble organization. We've talked about the UFC machine before, and it's a little bit slimmer and trimmer than it used to be. Now that WME has, you know, uh, engaged in the bloodletting and let so many people go, but um, Jesus, New York City is loud. Uh, but. Um, yeah, you want them on your side. I mean, what would you rather have as a partner to promote a fight, Bellator or the UFC? It's not even a question. You know what I mean? Like, this is very, even if it was television or pay-per-view, you know? Um, so, sure, I think he'd have success no matter where he went. But I also feel like he understands, uh, you know, if the UFC's going to get in his way, well, that's one thing. But if they can find a way to work together, they should. It works out for everyone involved, including... The consumer. I am about to fall asleep. I had the worst night of sleep imaginable last night. Let me try one of these. You ever had one of these? I'm sure you have. A double shot. Let's try one of these jokers. All right. Oh, God. My back is just killing me. All right. Here we go. To the dome. Ryan Bader's free agency. This one didn't get um, three wrecks, but I think it's an important question. Do you think that the UFC light heavyweight division needs him? Oh, we've already been over this one. No, they don't need him. I think it'd be good to have him, but they don't need him. Possible 145 matchups. Who you got? All right. Korean Zombie versus Stevens. I tell you what, man. Stevens still packs a punch. I could see him giving Korean Zombie some problems, but Korean Zombie is just so offensively... God, what's the word, man? He can just do it all. Superboy versus Yair. Ooh. I'll say Yair. Swanson versus Yair. I'll say Swanson. Edgar versus Llamas. I'll say Edgar. Bektic versus Ortega. Probably Bektic. Ortega has a lot of talent, but I think he's got a questionable fight IQ. Um, Superboy, rather, I'm sorry, um, Bektic sort of stays in his lane. Superboy versus Barrow. Barrow. Last but not least, Aldo versus Holloway. Probably Aldo, man, but Holloway... They'd be really good for the division if Holloway won. Really good for that division. Megan Anderson push. Considering the lack of competitors at women's featherweight, do you think it's inevitable that Megan Anderson is brought over from Invictus sooner rather than later? Yes. Will the UFC give her a big push considering her Amazonian stature and good looks? Yes, I think they will. I think they will. Um, I think they should, but I don't know what the holdup is. Uh, Because Holly and Jermaine are fighting 145, do you expect them to be in their best shape? Yeah. Uh, Holly told us today she was 150. Jermaine's somewhere around there, maybe a little bit less. Um, Weight cut's easy for them. They they said it didn't substantially change their training. It just sort of slightly altered their diets. You know? Uh, Both were actually very similar in the responses to that one. So um, I think think it will be great for them. I think it will be great for the fans, too. You know, not like Hole never had, like, terrible cardio or something but no it'll, it'll be good okay this is what this person says they are tired of mcgregor's antics quote i've long considered myself a mcgregor fan but i must admit i'm getting tired of this game he plays what i mean is this with all the talk of boxing my question is does he plan or will he ever defend a freaking belt and what do you think is behind his apparent refusal to do so at this point it's bordering on absurd This is why I feel like um, it'd be beneficial for all the parties involved, promoter, fighter, consumer, to have some rules established about a lack of defending. And I do think they should be allowed a fairly substantial grace period. I do feel like um, they're owed that, but I also feel like um, they're just so necessary at this point, so critical to have because Part of what McGregor is doing is intentional, which is to say he is sowing seeds of uncertainty to keep everyone on their toes. No one can make any plans or exercise any additional leverage over him beyond what they already have because they don't really know what he's gonna do. He keeps options open and he keeps speculation running. And you might say, well, Luke, how would rules that say you can only have a belt for a year if you choose not to defend it while healthy, Benefit him in that particular context. I don't think it would give him the most benefit But number one he would know he would have a year. That's a substantial time to sit around and make something happen number one um, Number two obviously the promoter would be able to say after a year this this charade will end And I think three the consumer would have there would just be light at the end of the tunnel there would be eventual forced resolution and Right now we don't have any forced resolution uh, Obviously we will eventually hit some tipping point where the UFC will have say they've had enough But as we saw with the last one, the way in which they exercised, it made everybody like, like, you know, Um, so I just feel like it would create some order for everyone to be able to plan around, you would have to have it long enough to benefit the fighter in some capacity to give them some leverage to go and play some games, but without any kind of mechanism in place to force a resolution, a guy like McGregor, you know, there's rules, right, they have to do something and then there's norms, things that aren't rules that people still do as a way of preserving the existing order. McGregor obeys the rules, but he doesn't obey the norms, in fact he blows them up, and so it leaves everyone scrambling about what to do because what we've now discovered is that the rules as they currently exist are an insufficient mechanism for forcing a resolution. For a guy who doesn't care about the norms and will just do whatever, uh, you get the idea. Yeah, this didn't get bigger news, and I am not sure why. With Gaethje, Morais, and Branch all said to be leaving World Series of Fighting, what does this mean for the promotion? Is WSOF finished? So did no one see this? I tweeted it out on the night of... uh, the Korean Zombie. Uh, Two guys in DC, um, one venture capitalist and one philanthropist, they bought World Series of Fighting. Uh, What were their names? Um, Hold on. Like, no one talked about this. And I reached out to them for comment, and they wouldn't comment. Here, Russ Ramsey and Don Davis, under the umbrella of MMAX, so Max Investment Partners, has brought 60, bought 60% of World Series of Fire for $25 million. I've heard there's other ones that could be doing it as well, so I don't think they're finished, uh, but they might be finished in the state in which we understand them. Frankly, I'm surprised they lasted as long as they did. I don't know how they ever made money. Uh, on their shows, to be to be perfectly honest, um, it's extraordinarily difficult to make money in mixed martial arts, especially at the professional level. And they didn't sell enough tickets, and I don't think they got enough money from their TV rights or from any kind of sponsors to, to keep up with costs. I think they were living on investment and debt, so I don't know what uh, these two gentlemen from the uh, District of Columbia intend to do, but I guess we'll see. I've heard that some other people I want to get involved that could be some potentially big hitters. Like, really big hitters. So Keep that in mind. Someone asked us rapid-fire questions. If Katie Nolan wasn't a mass hole sports fan, would you be more into her act comedy? I have never, ever thought she was all that good. Don't understand any of the, uh, of the buzz and push behind her. Never have. Um, but, okay. If we were to see you having dinner and wanted to send a nice whiskey over to your table rocks or neat neat uh any recommendations on nyc or dc colombian restaurants there are no dc colombian restaurants um but in new york city the best one i know of is in brooklyn and it's called bogota try that one out uh Luke, i want to get your take on something have the new owners lost the plot by having a title fight for a non-existent division no And will Invicta just get raided for the 145ers for the division to fill up? Yes. (laughs) There is no other other organization like Invicta. Their initial mission, remember, was not merely to promote women's MMA in some general sense, but to fix it. And what does that mean, fix it? It means, if you guys remember the days of Jules and Smack Girl and, you know, um, Hook and Shoot, there were all kinds of like, here's two women at 138, here's a fight at 147, here's a fight at 118 and a half. There was all kinds of just the splintered weight class. There was no divisions. There was just no architecture in place by which to build divisions, build stars, build contenders, build prospects, build names. Nothing. You couldn't do any of that. And so what Invicta tried to do was, what do all the men do that we don't? Or I rather, What do we do for all the men's divisions that we don't do for the women's divisions? Let's just do all that. That is not an easy way to make money. And now I feel like they have that purpose. I don't think they've lost that, but now they have an additional purpose, which it seems to me I don't know how anyone can like not look at this and see they're 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 now designed to be rated. Like I don't know what kind of financial arrangement they have with the UFC. Uh, certainly they get a stipend for fight pass, but the UFC needs them, and to an extent, Bellator needs them too um, to produce divisions with contenders with prospects with names that they can raid invicta builds up a new one or another set of them and they get raided again that's that's what it's for that's the purpose that it serves um i'm sure that all the folks involved in invicta would have these dreams of people acting up uh have all these dreams of doing these interesting things with women's MMA and maybe they will but that's its primary directive is to serve the interests of MMA generally and promoters specifically Is Max Holloway still a prospect not if the word prospect has any known definition Uh Tim Kennedy's career as a veteran do you think if Tim Kennedy had fo- focused on his MMA career full time could he have reached a higher peak it seems to me that the military is such an overwhelming commitment and demands different things from the body than 15 to 25 minutes in the cage while Stepe has a full time job it doesn't involve different time zones crazy sleep schedules grueling physical training etc Uh yeah I do think he could have gone higher I think he's a, an extraordinary athlete um I think he has all of the tools necessary to win at the highest level. But to your point, um he didn't quite ever give. I mean, I'm sure he gave 100% of what he had to give, but that 100% was less than the overall. It was 100% each night, it was 100% each training session, but it wasn't 100% of himself in a grander sense. And so as a consequence, I think you got a lesser version of what he ultimately could have been. Yeah, I do believe that. Um, Alexa Grasso and Irene Aldana have the limitations of their boxing-focused style been exposed. Lobo MMA has done a great job with Alexa and Irene, but it seems that when these girls are getting outstruck on the feet, they don't make any adjustments during a fight. Maybe try some wrestling or clinch fighting. I totally agree. I think their striking is great, although what you found with Alexa was, at least in the Herrick fight, She just had a bit of a lazy jab. She was pumping it, not bringing it back quick enough. Herrick was getting under it. She was getting to the side of it. And then coming body head, or or she would slip and come over the top. She just didn't have any way to go to a secondary motion, a secondary avenue of attack. And uh, as a consequence, she got chewed up. And so, yeah, I would agree that there is more to be incorporated here. Like, you know, consider Frankie Edgar. Yes, he was going to try and strike with Jose Aldo, of course. But he was trying to take him down, too. He just couldn't. That's very different than Aldana and Grasso. Will we ever see a Diaz brother in the octagon again? Yes. Don't worry. Yes. What do you make of Nate turning down the Eddie fight? Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, Please tell me you caught... The Alex Jones appearance on the Joe Rogan experience. I sadly missed that. What is your take on that episode? I don't have one. And him in general. Well, this is the same gentleman who was reporting prior to the Super Bowl that Lady Gaga was going to uh, do a satanic ritual during the halftime show. And I think that says all you need to know. Uh... Someone says, MMA beat. Thanks for the discussion on politics and sports. I appreciated it. Here's something I'm still trying to wrap my head around. In the comments sections of these various things I do, so MMA beat or this chat or something, if I have some kind of take politically that skews one direction, the comments will be filled with, oh, F you, Luke Thomas, die slow. Kabul disease, we hate you. And then I'll get this like wave of email of support. Now, in the end, that's not altogether an interesting observation. Oh, the audience is split? Okay, well, the audience is split. It just is sort of interesting to me that it's not merely polarized, but that the polarized audiences use different methods to express their support or disdain in, in very like conforming ways. I don't quite understand that. Um, oh, I got an email today. About no, sorry, I got a. I got a uh, what you call it? Uh, a Reddit message. Can you start talking about that stuff? Oh, uh, ESPN continues to drag down Disney's results. Luke, Disney reported yesterday and ESPN continues to drag down their results. Okay, high cost NBA deal, lower advertising revenue, lower ratings. Can you give us the temperature of the overall sports TV landscape? Jesus, this is a heavy question. Live sports isn't what it used to be. How do you think this affects the the next UFC TV contract? Well, that was why that $4 billion price tag was like, and you all are going to make your money off TV? Mm, Not sure how much I understand that. Now, I will say that NFL ratings rebounded in the second half of the season, so some of the hand-wringing early was a little bit much. Um, The NBA deal is expensive, but the NBA is as hot as ever. Um. I think that espn is still adjusting i know a lot of people cutting the cord but nba is still or espn still adjusting now the latest adjustment i don't like they put um they put what's his face and then Jamil hill at the 6 p.m they call it the six sports center and what they're doing is they're branding sports center so scott van pelt's been doing like the late night one um this is an attempt to do the same kind of thing in an earlier age but i don't like that duo i don't think it's very good so i'm not sure what to make of that um this is, a, this is a, a broader question for, I think, a, a much longer discussion. But I think in part, um, live sports probably isn't what it used to be, but it is still, if you look at the numbers, still quite sufficient for meeting television companies' needs uh, in their advertising-based models. I don't think we've really hit a tipping point past that yet. Um, and I don't really know when we will. I, don't, I just don't – we haven't crossed that barrier yet in any kind of meaningful way. I think if uh, fiber or cable internet speeds radically improve and the structure of television deals to feature live sports does as well, as well as some of the goodies that go along with it, including like being able to use DVR through some kind of streaming service that, and I know some of those, ha- I know some deals already have that, you know, um, but it's not ubiquitous enough or simple enough or even really affordable enough and easy enough Um to, to supplant this cable experience that everyone is used to. So it's worth monitoring, but it's it's not, everyone's like, Disney, USPN is not performing the way it's supposed to. In some ways, no, um, in many ways, no, but it's not, it's not an anchor that they're gonna be letting go of anytime soon, trust me. So Luke, what are your thoughts on updating the division so there's less of a gap? I.e. 165, 175, 185, 195, 205. Do you guys remember back in the day? One of the more interesting things Gary Shaw did, aside from reproducing and, you know, spawning Scala, was that when he had the Elite XC show, I can't remember who, if it was like 140, 150, 160, 170, or whatever, or if it was 145, 155, 165, 175. But he tried to do something similar where he was having a bunch of weight classes all 10 pounds apart. And it was rejected and everyone hated it. But at the time, I was MMA wasn't ready for it and didn't need it back then. This is back when there was like five weight classes, you know. But now I sort of think back, I'm like, I don't think that was a bad idea. And I can't believe I'm saying this about Gary Shaw. But it may have been ahead of its time. And by being ahead of its time, it's actually sort of like a... A, rena- a reactionary thing. It's because he was borrowing sort of the architecture from boxing and then sort of pasting of MMA at a time when MMA didn't want or need it, but um, um, nevertheless seems useful now. I, I think we could probably add and change some things, but incrementally and very minorly. I wouldn't want to add a bunch of new weight classes. I think you could add women's 125, um, there's probably something to be said for adding or changing the way we go from um, light to welter to middle, and then from middle even up to light heavy, but that's really about it. I don't it has to be very slight and subtle. True false, TJ Dillashaw is the net winner at the end of the inevitable matches, rematches between He Cruz and Garmin. I think we did all this already. I think uh, probably true. Jones wins the heavyweight title. I do know. We did all these already. And someone says Messi is the goat. False. Barcelona fans, y'all are a sad bunch. They um, feel about fighters calling for a bonus at the end of the fight. I feel like we just paid them more, and it probably would be less of that. Eagle versus El Cucuy. How excited are you about that fight boy i will let the cat out of the bag on this one so i'm doing uh what the first part of it's already done doing a technique talk series on this one which i've never done before usually i talk about some sort of broader idea or practice and this one i didn't want to do that so this one i got one fighter to talk about numerica and i got another famous fighter to talk about el kukui and then we're gonna put those out. I'm not sure. I got you know when they're gonna get published, but I mean the fight's not for a while. But um, but I, I thought like to me, and I said this before in this chat, man. You can find fights with bigger stakes. You can find fights with bigger purses. Um, you can find fights with other ways that it could be interesting, in this ways in ways that this one is not. But basically, basically, this is as good as MMA gets on paper. It's about as good as it gets, right? Two of the very best in the very best weight class in their prime for five rounds. A winner potentially sets themselves up for the fight of a lifetime. I mean, you got maybe the best wrestler in all of the MMA versus one of the most creative fighters that MMA has ever seen. Uh, I mean, what, what, I mean, what could you possibly want more in a fight that this one already has? Both of them have big mouths. Both of them have unyielding, confidence in their abilities and in their ability to win on that night it's like this this is what you wait for this is everything so i'm having other observant intelligent fighters talk to me about what makes each of those guys special we're going to put that out in a technique talk series so hopefully you guys will really like that i I, the first part of it's already done and it was awesome so um if the second guest comes through and i'm waiting for him to get back in town i'm I'm very hopeful that y'all will really get something out of it because i got something out of it and and uh and I'm hopeful that you will, too. All right. It is 2.15, just about. So let's go to the Twitter machine. You can follow me on Twitter, at SBN Luke thomas, And you can use the uh, um, hashtag chat wrappers, and I will see your thingy. Uh, not your genitalia, but your tweet, and we can go from there. All right. I knew this was a while ago, but can you tell us how much that OG from Danilo in the Copa hurt? Of the own goal. You know, there's a lot of people that want to, like, bury Danilo. And there's a lot of people that want to, like, say, oh, it wasn't his fault. And then in this particular case, I don't think it was, actually. I think it was. God, who was down there with him that effed that up? Was it Nacho who effed it up? In any case, Danilo is sorry, and I wish he'd be gone. Will you donate to Yoel Romero's GoFundMe page? Absolutely not. Favorite deadlifting song? Ooh, um... Lamb of God's Ghost Walking, or um, Hatebreed's Doomsayer, or even better, the I Am Revenge cover of Doomsayer. Those are great songs for lifting heavy, heavy weight when your back is not absolutely jacked up like mine is. What do you think of the NY Times Spotify bundle? Yeah, did you guys see this? So if you're subscribed to the New York Times and you do this extra package, I think it's like 240 for the year, and then 25 a month thereafter. You get um, not only New York Times but um, Spotify Premium. I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of that. I have to think a little bit more about it. But it's it's I, it's caught me out of left field. I'll say that. How about this form? uh Oh, is Amanda Nunez deadlifting? Let's see. Yes, yeah, she is. Let's see what she's got. She got gloves on. Come on, Amanda. Let's see, bar path's a little crooked and she, I don't like the over under grip. I like over over hook grip. You you change the mechanics, but she has a nice straight back. Hips come up, hips shoot up a little bit, watch her hips. Watch her on this Instagram video. Her hips shoot up a little bit. Here we go, yep. Watch very closely, watch her hips shoot up a little bit uh, as a consequence uh, uh, at the very, very beginning of the lift. Her hips come up, and then the weight comes up. It should all be one fluid motion, all at once. So bar pass a little off. Her shoes need fixing. I would switch to over, over hook grip. Um, but overall, you know, she has the the most important thing really, honestly. And she's not doing a ton of weight. I mean, she's doing what one thirty five. It's fine. It's not really that big a deal. But uh, the most important thing you got to have that neutral spine to protect yourself. You got to have that neutral spine at the lumbar region but so not not bad could use some work but not bad um but look at the very top of the thing her hips come up a little bit before the rest of the motion i think that's a bit of a problem how do you think korean zombie would fare against aldo we already saw that but maybe he could beat him this time around max i don't think max is too technical or mcgregor and i think mcgregor would probably take advantage of the openings he leaves Isaiah Thomas is ranked 441 out of 441 qualified players in defense. Wallace, 14th. Thank you. Thoughts on Chris Sims saying that he thinks Brady and Kraft voted for Hillary. I don't care. Why are Patriots fans so bitter? They are like the Duke fans with a bad accent. I know at least Duke fans are the kind of jerk losers, a-holes that know why people hate them. Patriots fans are like, why do people hate us? I don't get it. It's like, well, your coach is a documented cheater. Your quarterback is, you know, uh, certainly talented, but, you know, has every advantage in life. And the fan base could not be more, could not be more, could not be bigger whiners and have a bigger victim mentality of any fan base I've ever seen in my life. It's appalling. Do the cons ever outweigh the pros long-term with Conor staying with the UFC? I mean, I suppose it could come to a point where that was the case, but it definitely isn't the case now. Have we already seen John Jones at his peak? That is a very good question that's impossible to answer, but it's one we cannot dismiss. We have to take that seriously. What did you eat for the Super Bowl? Nobody cares. Any accidents on Daryl Horcher's any updates on Daryl Horcher since the accident? No, good question. We should look into that. At what point would a former champ like Anthony Pettis or Dos Anjos get cut if they kept losing? At a point where they seriously were a threat to themselves, of no value to the promotion, and by that I mean a value to Bellator. They would have to lose a bunch. Dana talked about how unreliable Jones is, but he and DC fought the same amount of times in 2016. Right, but for very different reasons. Do people realize Cormier has won title defense since he won the belt? Take it for what it's worth. True, false. Pena versus Rousey happens 2017. False. Jake Ellenberger lost 460K betting on the Falcons. I certainly hope not. I have noticed that Cowboys' ability to take shots has diminished despite his recent run. Do you think we've seen Cerrone's peak? I mean, if we did, we just saw it. Like, he was on a sick run there. I don't think we've seen Cerrone speak. I don't think we've seen the last of him beating really tough, good guys. But he definitely does need a break. Um, And I also think, yeah, he's taken a lot of damage in his career. It's not like he has an infinite capacity for it. Any BJJ books or DVDs you'd recommend? Uh, Hamalo Bahal has a... um, a knee shield passing DVD series that's really good. Um, really good. Um, and a book. I think I want to say, I think it's uh, Salo Habero's MMA, oh, sorry, Jiu-Jitsu University. Oh, and BJ Penn's book on the closed guard. Really good. Really good. Definitely check that out. UFC 208 isn't a blockbuster card, but do you feel home will be a good draw for this card? A good one, yes. A great one, no. When is the next movie review? Uh, I saw The Arrival. It's great. I saw uh, Magnificent Seven. It's basura. I saw... Um, the movie did I see recently that was like... Oh, I saw The Accountant. You know what The Accountant was? It was idiot Ben Affleck watching the Jason Bourne movie being like, you know what? I need my own terrible action movie with uh, its poorly cast, uh, terrible direction, with a plot that a third grader would call mind-numbingly simplistic. And I need to be as wooden an actor as possible. I need to match Jason Bourne in all its fecality. And uh, he succeeded. It is a terrible movie. Why wasn't there more public interest in Anderson Silva versus John Jones when both were champs? Um, Because there was some, but uh, I think both had kind of dismissed it. I think there was a lot of contenders for John to get through. And there was contenders for Anderson as well. Are there any plans for more guests for the Monday Morning Analyst? Sure. Sure, of course. Who is Rogan's partner on Saturday? So it'll be Daniel Cormier, Rogan, and John Anik. Who gets fired if Durandami isn't wearing an orange kit? Probably nobody. True or false, Kane fights for the title in 2017 or early 2018. Definitely true. Definitely true. Uh, what middleweight do you think has the best shot to beat Yoel? Jacques Array. Um, maybe Luke Rockhold people still don't understand how good Connor's boxing is Diaz is lucky he has a face right now all right should UFC sign Angela Lee seems like the perfect person to be promoted in the UFC yeah yeah I would agree but she's valuable to one Uh, and maybe Bellator wants her as well so we'll see there are actually three donations already and people going off about it being wrong. Troll at its best. Oh, the uh, GoFundMe that all Romero set up? What's the best way to start BJJ, gi or no gi, and any other tips that are essentials? Do both, but the gi is the most important one. I don't care what anyone else tells you. I mean, I know there's people way better than me who would disagree, but uh, the gi is the more essential of the two. And uh, just keep showing up just keep going that is the that is the key to success do not stop i know this was a while ago but can you tell us how much okay uh who would you have picked between jones and silva jones for sure let's see Uh, hey, Luke, hope your back gets better soon with little to no impact on your day. Well, too late for that, but I appreciate the very kind sentiments. Howdy, fellow Donk here. Just want to express my appreciation. Well, thank you very much for watching. All right, uh, let's get back to the questions. Well, what time we have remaining. Can you speak Armenian? No. My mom's first language was French, then German, then Arabic, then English, then Armenian. She spoke Armenian, too, but uh, because they grew up in Beirut, uh, French and Arabic were better and more important, and um, they had the German uh, influence there as well. So um, I used to be able to speak some French, but I didn't keep up with it. Now I'm trying Spanish, and oh, I am terrible. I am la basura. Luke, what is your over-under on how many rounds Connor could last with Triple G, a boxer his own size? Not many. Not many. I mean, Connor's tough as hell, and he does have skills, but Triple G is a nightmare. Um, six or less, man, and that might be high. The odds makers have Brunson favored over Silva. I think it's for the same reasons that I've been talking to you this whole chat. You're like, I just don't know what to make of Silva. I just don't get him sometimes, you know? Sometimes he's at ease and you're like, man, that is such a confident position he occupies. This is so great, you know? And then other times you're like, God, this is a guy who's unhinged. Not unhinged, but like not in touch with reality. It's just... It's so hard to get a read on on which version he's in, and like they were, we were asking him questions, and he does this. You know, what Anderson does. He does this bit where it's like, "Hey, Anderson." For example, Ariel asked him. You'll see this in the interview later. Ariel's like, "You know, uh, have any of the fighter unions reached out to you?" And he goes, he like switches his, sit, his sitting position, right? He goes, "This is in English. This is very important. This is a good question. This is interesting, right?" And he's effusive with emotion. And then when he really spoke about it, he didn't say anything. And so and so you see Ariel <laughs> Ariel like presses him like right, did any of them reach out to you? He was like you know it's important and we're like okay. Did they reach out to you? He eventually said no, they didn't. But the point being is, he does this bit where he like emotionally commits to the answer of a question and then verbally gives you nothing. Like if you just were reading a script, you'd be like he didn't answer any of these questions or he vaguely did. You know, and so it's like—is he playing a game? Is he just working through his English? He did have a translator there. He's just a weird dude, man. He's a hard guy to figure out. I don't know how else to say it. You know, is the UFC losing momentum right now? Ugh. am I the only one who feels the UFC starting to lose momentum, and it seems like exciting MMA news and upcoming fights are lacking? Yeah, this is a boom and bust sport, y'all. This is a boom and bust sports. Other leagues take precautions and measures to not merely keep parity in the league um, and among the teams, but to make sure the product is revitalized all the time. It doesn't have these feast or famine moments, at least not to the same. It does, but they're they're longer. Sort of these decades of uh, prominence, and then sort of these longer periods of decline. You don't feel them quite year over year in the way you do with MMA. MMA is very, very much feast or famine. Um, So we'll see. But is it what it used to be, like 2016? No. No, it's not. But does that mean it won't be that way in 2018 or 19? Can't say that either, affirmatively anyway. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Nick Diaz. During his appearance on the Snoop Dogg podcast, Diaz mentioned his favorite fighter is Carlos Condit. Do you think a rematch with Carlos is enticing enough to bring Nick and Carlos back? I'm sure there's a part of Nick who, you know, he thought he won that fight. um, And he might want another one of those again. But the question is, could it bring back Carlos? It's not like Carlos is out there slaying the dragon either. Uh, So it's kind of hard to say. Um, But no, I, I don't think so. I think what he wants is like, hey, who are your top three stars? Let me fight one of those guys. That's what he seems to be doing, And that's not, so far, anything that um, we can count on as a reliable way to get him to compete. Who's better, Crosby or Ovechkin? Killing me. Valentina versus Nunez in Brazil. This seems like a no-brainer to me. Valentina is very popular in Peru. A lot of people would make the journey, and Nunez could be a star if properly promoted. How come no one is talking about this? They might do that. They might do a pay per view with them down there. I guess we'll have to see. I don't know. I think it's an open question about how popular Shevchenko is in Peru. I know she's been on TV there for dancing competitions, and certainly she's fluent in Spanish, and so that helps. Um, but I don't. I don't know that I can affirmatively declare she's a big star in Peru. I. Uh, I don't know that to be true, unfortunately. It, not saying it's not, but it's not been firmly established either, right? So let's be a little careful about that. Uh, Triple G or Jacobs? Triple G do you think there's a valid argument for Jones as the goat yes I do and then anything left from this nope that's it okay guys thank you so much for watching stay tuned to MMA fighting for all of today's coverage there's another Waterson uh Michelle Waterson event I think it just wrapped up a little while ago They'll have pictures and video and probably a scrum from that as well, so stay tuned. Tomorrow, the workouts, we'll have that. Friday are the weigh-in. Saturday is the fights. Lots of coverage coming your way. So give this video a like. Share it around. I always appreciate when you do. Subscribe to MMA Fighting. Stick around, and uh, we'll take care of you guys. We'll give you everything you need, all angles like we always do. Um, No Luke Thomas show today. I'm going to go to the doctor. I will see you donkeys later. And until next time, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. Stay frosty.